oh, new movies are coming out. And like going back to your point about word of mouth and talking to family and friends and kind of spreading that news, I think that's something we will probably, at least hopefully, see play out in the weeks ahead. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, which provides editorial content to movie theaters. And I'm joined by Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro magazine, and Sean Robbins, the chief analyst for Box Office Pro. And we are coming to you uh, on the week after Roman Polanski's thriller, <laughs> The Tenant, opened in the U.S. at long last. I love that movie. I do. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We are coming to you the week after Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenet, opened in the U.S. at long last. And we're going to talk about how it did, what that means, and what the next few weeks look like as a result. Daniel and Sean, great to talk to you guys again. How are you doing? Thanks. Yeah, this is an exciting weekend. I think months overdue. I know you went to see the movie. How was your movie going experience out of the gate? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I think uh, AMC has has really done a good job from what I can see. I've been to one theater, so it's a very small sample size. You know, most people were wearing masks. Everybody's wearing masks outside the auditorium. I spotted people like heading in like a crew to clean up right after. They're staggering showtimes by probably about an hour between and yeah, I mean, I felt comfortable the whole time. And, you know, by and large, I think everyone's following the rules and, and respecting the distancing with seating. So it's so far so good, in my opinion. And Daniel, you haven't been able to get out to the theater yet because you're in New York. Yeah, yeah, we're still waiting. I could, however, according to Governor Cuomo, go to a casino this oh, week. Oh, good. So casinos are operating at a reduced capacity. But no, we're still waiting for the governor to even provide just a regular basic time frame for cinemas to reopen. It was a, another slow weekend here on Saturday, but as, as Sean can attest, there were a lot of eyes on our job and our industry on Sunday morning. Yeah. So let's talk about the figures. Let's talk about how Tenet did in the U.S. overall, and then maybe expand our view to look in markets overseas. What are we looking at here? So opening weekend here in the United States, because obviously the film had already opened in locations in Canada last weekend, we are looking at a $20.2 million rollout from 2,810 locations. That includes a number of preview screenings. That's a figure that obviously, Sean, you're going to go into a little bit more detail on, but we do have to complement those domestic numbers with what we are seeing overseas, particularly strongholds in markets like Germany, in markets like the UK, like France, and a strong opening weekend in China, to be honest. We looked at a $30 million debut in China. Uh, United Kingdom is now the number three market on a cumulative basis with $13.1 million with France right below it at 10 million. So all in all, uh, Tenet is nearing that $150 million global benchmark after two weekends in the global box office. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we kind of all know go knew going into this weekend and, and really last week when the overseas rollout really started, we could all kind of set these uh, parameters of what to expect from the box office. But ultimately, in a pandemic world, we really didn't know what to expect. And I think we kind of saw that play out a little bit more domestically because as is well documented at this point, the United States is a little bit further behind and curving off the virus than many other countries are. So in that sense, you know, it's, it's impossible to compare domestic numbers with anything, but that, that still applies to overseas. And I think 
for me, the biggest takeaway is the fact that most countries showed some of those strongholds that we were kind of theorizing about over the last few months of this being the slow return of movie going with no competition and people kind of coming back at their own comfort level and when the time was right for them. And, you know, I think uh, you've mentioned China that ultimately actually delivered, I think it was Nolan's biggest opening weekend to date for any of his films in China. So that's a huge positive, which is really saying something because it's it's actually becoming a pretty crowded market right now with the 800 doing really well and, and Mulan coming out there in a few weeks or a few days. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think once we look at the other the other countries, too, most are showing a lot of those strongholds with very few exceptions. You know, if we wanted to boil things down to purely binary reaction, are we talking about good? Are we talking about bad? What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, I think this is good. I think because it's the first during the pandemic and the fact that we really can't judge these numbers on their own merits until we see how it plays out over time. To me, the fact that theaters are just open right now and a big new movie is out there and it's kind of getting that engine back up and running again. I think this is more positive than anything. That's kind of my perspective so far. Yeah, I think like Sean is saying, we have to look at the wider context of this weekend. Not only is it a pandemic, but it's important for the industry as a whole for a studio title of this nature from an A-list director, maybe it's not a franchise, maybe it's not a recognizable IP, but it's something with some sort of anticipation coming out on the global market. We knew it was probably never going to hit those pre-pandemic numbers that, that we all expected it to. But as soon as we got into this situation, we knew that Tenet was going to mean something different for the market. And that meant a sort of uh, re-entry or a sort of a welcome back film for a lot of folks with the strong caveat that, hey, this isn't the Marvel title. This isn't the Lucasfilm title. This isn't the recognizable IP. This is an original film that, let's face it, although there are many big Christopher Nolan fans out there, his films do tend to have a divisive response sometimes. Sometimes you get an Inception, other times you get an Interstellar. Russ, I mean, in terms of a word of mouth, I think where does Christopher Nolan sort of track in the general sort of like movie going public? He generally tracks pretty positively for two big factors. One is the Batman movies. I mean, those created a level of recognizance for Nolan that a filmmaker like him would normally not enjoy. You know, when you make The Dark Knight, that puts you on a level different from a lot of other directors. And that's not a qualitative judgment. That's just purely due to the fact of the pervasive viewership for that movie and the pervasive fandom for that movie. Like people know what that movie is. And I think more people know who made it than, you know, for instance, Batman Forever. A lot of people can't tell you that Joel Schumacher was the guy who made the movies after Tim Burton. A lot more people know that Christopher Nolan made those Batman movies. And I think Inception also drove a lot of goodwill for Nolan because that was a different movie but it had stars and it was entertaining and people like it. And so those two things help him out a lot. And Tenet seems to be benefiting from that. Not everyone that you can't drive audiences to a movie with a filmmaker's name all the time, but Nolan is an exception there. And I think that consequently we're seeing some benefit for that this weekend for Warner Brothers Returns. Then, you know, you compare that Another factor this weekend is that Mulan hit Disney Plus, you know, a movie that was originally slated to be a theatrical release, a movie that was slated to 
come out in the spring, was delayed initially, and was going to be one of the first post-pandemic movies before Disney moved it over to PVOD. And purely anecdotally, for a variety of factors, it seems like it did not perform quite as well as Tenant did. It didn't perform as well as Hamilton did. And I think that's an interesting factor to consider when we look at how this weekend uh, shook out overall. Yeah, I think those are interesting points in sort of balancing what this weekend meant to the industry. You know, unfortunately, I think the the easy headline went into the whole theatrical versus streaming. Who's going to win out this weekend? Adding a whole extra layer of what in Spanish you call morbo, this morbid anticipation of how it's going to play out. You know, I think that's a stretch when you consider that Mulan was released by a studio that made $13.2 billion globally last year from movie theaters. I do take them at their word when they say this is an experiment. You know, looking at this weekend historically, I know that a comp is impossible. It makes no sense to explore I'm going to push you that way irresponsibly anyway, <laughs> um, mainly because I think one of the points we have to bring up in balancing everything is, yes, we are talking about uh, pent-up demand playing a factor in these domestic results of 20 million, right? We also have to look at, what is it, 66%, 70% of the domestic market being open, and that's not even playing into account decreased admissions capacity tiered showtimes, because you're not going to have as many showtimes as you would normally. Yeah, you might have a couple more screens to to balance that out. But outside of that perspective, you also have a Labor Day weekend that historically has never been a major movie-going weekend in the United States. Looking at these numbers, Sean, let me know how you react to this and if this is at all a factor to consider. But since 2015, We've only had one film that played on Labor Day weekend to gross more than Tenet did over this same weekend with all of these caveats included. That was Crazy Rich Asians in 2018, which made, I believe, somewhere around $28 million over the holiday weekend. And that's also because it played at 100% capacity in a thousand more screens than Tenet. How much should we be looking at the calendar? Does this even apply in this year? It's tough to say. And I think it's a great point to bring up the fact that this has been very traditionally not a great weekend to open a big movie. And studios have largely avoided it, usually going for the weekend after, especially we've kind of seen Warner Brothers do that with the It films over the last few years. So just to add on top of all these new things that the industry has experimented with this year, we uh, we all decided to add on opening a big blockbuster over Labor Day. But <laughs> so, you know, why not? It's 2020. But on top of, you know, staggered seating, the lack of available markets, around one third of potential moviegoers were aware that theaters were even open this weekend. So I think no matter how we kind of stack all the data and all the the circumstances of the film, it really lends perspective to the fact that Sure, we don't have uh, daily breakdowns. We don't know exactly what the film made on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday of last week, or even Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the weekend. But to see that 20 million number and put that in context of all of this other information that we've kind of broken down, you know, as much as I know you want me to give a comp, there isn't a comp. Right. It's really, yeah. it's hard to say. I think it's it's more of a uh, tenant will be the comp. Tenant will be the blueprint for Wonder Woman. And probably Black Widow, you know, fingers crossed those those stay on the calendar. Uh, this is this is a learning experience for Warner Brothers included. I mean, everyone is kind of in this together on the same level. 
I find myself wondering on a Labor Day weekend where there was a record astonishingly high heat wave in California, what the numbers would have looked like for tenant if theaters in California were widely open and, and people knew about it and people were ready to go. Uh, you know, how could this weekend have, you know, turned out differently given some of the uh, the other non-pandemic uh, you know, factors? It's interesting, Russ, that, that you bring that up because one of the provisions that Warner Brothers reportedly has for tenant is that the title can't play in drive-ins in markets where indoor theaters aren't open. I can understand that strategy. You don't want to cannibalize your returns for the rest of the industry by basically funneling them into a couple of drive-in locations in these major markets. I think it's a sound business decision to sort of wait it out and then open it in a city as a whole. You mentioned the communication, Sean, letting audiences know that movie theaters are, are open again. It's tricky when you say you can see Tenet here but not there in that reopening procedure. But it's important to say in this weekend, looking at the numbers for, what is it, week three, week four of Unhinged, drive-ins in Los Angeles represented four of the top 10 earning locations for Unhinged. Los Angeles only playing in drive-ins is the number three market for Unhinged, representing 3.4% of the, of the weekend's market share for that title. So it can't be forgotten that this huge earning potential from these big cities is yet to come. Sean, in subsequent weekends, as the rest of the country hopefully and slowly opens back up, what do you expect from this title? Can we glean anything from these numbers to sort of influence our standing in what can happen in subsequent weeks? I think it's our best jumping off point. It's definitely the best indicator that we have, especially since, as Russ really alluded to, Nolan is a filmmaker whose films tend to drive this word of mouth. And you yourself, Daniel, kind of spoke to the fact that even when people don't always like them, they're always talking about them and they often demand repeat viewing. So in that sense, it kind of made sense to have a movie like this be one of be the first to usher in this reboot, because it's hard to say with any degree of certainty these days. But you, t you talk about these major markets where his films really do especially well with adults about 25 and older, uh, especially in the suburbs and in cities. And those are the major markets that are still a little bit behind the curve of being able to reopen for whatever reasons there are. So from that perspective, yeah, I think there is the potential to see the movie uh, really post some decent holds going forward. But we also live in 2020 when word of mouth is a very different beast than it was even 10 years ago, especially 20 or 30 years ago when we last saw films try to stay in theaters longer. So there's kind of this confluence of, of, of different streams of, circumstances in play for the film. I think that's important to bring up, as you know, Sean. We also have to start considering that as we're going through the motions of this pandemic in what seems like this time loop, right? At the same time, six months have passed. And we can't look at the impact of COVID-19 to the entertainment industry, to the media industry, as something that's been the exact same since mid-March, up until mid-September. I just look, we, we've talked about uh, TV ratings in the past, especially as they relate to TV spend and ad spend for new titles coming out. I remember when, when the German Bundesliga came back, uh, German soccer came back, there was a lot of anticipation. A lot of eyes in the world were watching these games. Uh, I think you had a UFC pay-per-view that was one of the first uh, sporting events that came back, did fantastic numbers. But since then, you've been seeing some 
fairly, let's face it, not great ratings from major sports leagues like Major League Baseball, like the NBA, like the NHL. You see these sort of events that you would expect to have great audiences because of that pent-up demand during the pandemic. They might have had that back in May. Now in September, we're really not seeing that being reflected. I think it's something we have to keep in mind as we also balance out the impact of how Mulan performed on PBOD compared to, you know, that famous or infamous uh, press release from Universal on Trolls World Tour a number of months back, the market has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point to bring up because it really kind of ties into that narrative I think we've all spoken about all summer regarding how people are, are just going to be tired of staying at home and they're going to want to go back to movies at their own pace, of course. But, you know, staying at home to watch sports on TV versus just going outside for a walk after being on lockdown for several months like you said, I think that's that, that's a major reason why the market has changed. And I'll be really interested to see what happens in the fall with with all of these industries, because once that weather hits the colder months and you know drive-ins won't be open every day anymore, that'll that'll be a factor to watch with movie going. It's fascinating to watch it unfold. I mean, it's it's for the worst possible reasons, but just from a sheer analytical standpoint, it is it is interesting to observe it. You know, the other thing with Mulan, and, and I'm hesitant to say that this is a big factor, but it is... Uh, part of the story of that movie is that you have headlines in the Washington Post like why Disney's new Mulan is a scandal. And there are a variety of things going on with Mulan from the fact the star had come out in support of officials and cops in Hong Kong over protests there uh, to where the movie was filmed to some of the business practices around the movie. There are a bunch of things that are contributing to conversations around Mulan that have nothing to do with whether or not the movie is good or whether or not people like it, uh, but that are driving um, some boycotts and backlash and that sort of thing. And so it is not a title that is being wholly embraced and simply embraced in the way that you know, Trolls World Tour was. I'm not going to go on record and say, oh, that you know, took a big bite out of Mulan's, you know, weekend, but it is part of the story of that film, which I think does play a role in how it is performing and where it is falling into uh, the cultural map this weekend. Along with all of those things that you're talking about, I think the fact that the market is different now is a hugely important thing to consider. We're all tired. We're all tired. And it's very easy at this point, like the novelty of like, oh, I can get a big new theatrical movie at home this weekend which almost certainly played into Trolls World Tour, has worn off. And at this point, it's like, I don't know, I'm just going to stream you know, a thing or I'm going to watch American Ninja Warrior on my DVR or whatever. Hey, American Ninja Warrior, I've heard, is very much worth that DVR space. I, I still have to tune in. <laughs> I've heard nothing but amazing things on something called American. That sounds like a straight uh, like VHS movie I'd watch like on a Mexican bus ride in the early 90s. You know, it's one of those things that you watch and you're like, I've got all this time on my hands. Why am I not developing astonishing upper body strength? <laughs> <laughs> because that's that could be the alternate title for that show is Astonishing Upper Body Strength. Regardless. Talking about strength, and this is going to be a very difficult transition to make, Russ, <laughs> from that. We're looking at uh, strong overseas numbers, obviously, for Tenet on solid holds in key overseas markets. Sean, what's the big story for next weekend? Because is we're balancing out how much more of that domestic market is open, how many more screens can Tenet add to its domestic arsenal. We also have to look at uh, an overseas expansion 
for Mulan that made 5.9 million from nine minor markets. I'm not sure how much we can read into that, you know, first overseas results on Mulan. What should we be looking forward to this coming weekend at the global box office? Yeah, I think uh, you alluded to Tenet's potential expansion into more theaters, hopefully a little bit more of the domestic market opening up. But we're looking at Mulan, arguably its biggest territory will uh, will open, and that's China on this. I think it's, yeah, it'll be this Friday. Uh, Russia opens as well. So that will really kind of be a big litmus test for how the film is going to perform on a global scale in the markets where it's not available on Disney Plus. And I think a lot of eyes will be on that performance. Beyond that, it's really just more about watching how all these existing holdovers are performing in in all countries, uh, domestic included. So, yeah, I think those are the two big stories would be Mulan and, and how Tenet starts to show in its sophomore, in some cases, third weekends. Now, usually we're able to, back in the before times, we would be able to sort of gauge what a holdover gross would be really by Wednesday, Thursday after the opening week. We're recording this Tuesday before the second U.S. weekend for Tenet. Because this is a new normal, can we really gauge on what those holds could potentially look at in North America? Or is it really just impossible until we have more information on location counts, whenever that may be? It's somewhere in between. I think it's more of a a matter of we can use the very limited samples we have had from the last few weeks. Unfortunately, A New Mutants isn't really a great basis of comparison for Tenet in a lot of different ways, maybe unhinged to a certain degree, being an original movie. There's always some level I think we can establish of this is the worst case scenario. This is the lowest things can go. This is the highest things can go. And it's challenging to find the accuracy in the middle of that during normal circumstances. And right now, obviously, that's that's just on a whole other level. Uh, so I think the answer is yes and no. Uh, it'll be, uh, we'll also have, I think Broken Hearts Gallery opens domestically this week as well. I don't think we've mentioned that yet, but that'll probably be kind of a modest performer aiming for like teen audiences, maybe some young adults. So that, that'll also be one to watch, but it's really not going after that, that tenant audience, I don't think. So it, at the very least, we're going to have one more new wide release in the market in North America to kind of just build this pyramid brick by brick. And for those listeners at home, you can read our latest uh, box office forecast for the weekend here domestically at boxofficepro.com, where Sean will be giving out a full analysis on the potential scenarios to play out for this weekend at the box office. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, I think the one thing I want to swing back to before we close this out is that 30% of potential moviegoers knowing that theaters were open. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, that one of the biggest challenges for theaters, regardless of size of the circuit, would be communicating to audiences that the doors were open again, that they can go back. And that's something that the industry as a whole is clearly still got to wrestle with because that 30% number is a little eye-opening for me. And how do you think, you know, where do we see this going? Do you guys think that that number can go up to 50 or 60 percent by, you know, over the course of this next week? Or is it going to be a longer road and a harder challenge? That's a tough one, right? I think word of mouth is, <laughs> but that's where word of mouth comes in. I think, Russ, we, we've spoken about this in the past, where word of mouth is going to be not only 
did I like the movie? But like, hey, by the way, I went to the movies. That's something right. that you tell your family. That's something you tell your friends. It used to be, even if you went every weekend before the pandemic, now it's something share with people and to share your experience with people as you do so. Sort of like how we opened this podcast, right? So I think uh, the deeper we get into this process, the better we'll be. And I really do hope that we can focus on that part of the messaging. I think where things get really tricky is when we read too much into the box office in ways that don't really make sense. The future of theatrical isn't down to how Tenet performs. It was important for it to come out. It is a definitely a lifeline for, for theaters that have been open for here in the US, weeks, elsewhere, months. But I don't want to be in that situation where we were, I don't know, there's been countless times, Sean. The one I can come up with, remember when that Ghostbusters reboot came out with the all-female cast, it underperformed. And then there was just this chorus online, oh, female-driven movies are terrible at the box office. That's not at stake. That's not the conversation we're having. That's not the conversation. Yeah, (laughs) we really have to step back and sort of see, hey, this is an individual title in a market and crucially in a market that's still in a recovery phase. Yeah, and I think just having headlines out there about Tenet, box office is kind of, it's still a little bit of a niche, but... It's a little bit like watching baseball scores. It's it's become popularized over the last couple of decades. And people who are just very casual about following anything related to movies might stumble upon a headline saying Tenet did such and such at the box office this weekend. And that that can trigger a thought of, oh, new movies are coming out. And like going back to your point about word of mouth and talking to family and friends and kind of spreading that news, I think that's something we will probably, at least hopefully, see play out in the weeks ahead. And, uh, you know, I'm now, since we have temporarily relocated to the Midwest to live with some family for the rest of the year, I'm in a household where there's a lot more TV on more often. I'm not seeing movie ads, you know, and this is stuff where, you know, when possible, like we're watching baseball games. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, football commentary that's that we're watching that's on other stuff along those lines. And I'm not seeing the sort of movie ads that we would have been seeing at this time a year ago in, you know, a quote unquote regular environment. That's a good point. And so that seems like, you know, that is a big part of the equation uh, when it comes to that outreach and that word of mouth. This is an anecdotal thing. This is not me speaking as, you know, someone who has uh, done the research. It's just... This is, you know, from what I'm observing, there isn't that density of communication to like a wide television audience that that movies are out there. No, it's it's a great point, uh, Russ. It's tough to do that when we have, as as Sean has pointed out, a market where you're going to have one major new release. What is it, Sean? Every three to six weeks moving forward. Right. So even as we sort of recover this, that sort of media spend, that sort of uh, saturation of a new release, of a new trailer drop, that's going to be very, very different, definitely through the rest of this year. And I think that's additionally why we can't judge all these financials like we're used to seeing, because we're used to judging them based on what a studio is spending to market them. And it's very clear Warner Brothers is probably not spending nearly as much on marketing tenant right now as they would have under normal circumstances, perhaps waiting for those big markets to open back up. It's very different in a lot of ways. 
thank you for that, Sean. And uh, it's great to talk to both of you about this. It's great to be in a place where we could talk about things being open, even if only one of the three of us has had an opportunity to go see Tenet uh, for real. Uh, you know, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, uh, we will all be able to get back to the theatrical experience uh, or the next couple of months or whatever it is. You know, obviously we still have to prioritize safety and everybody's own comfort level, but I, it seems like things are moving in the direction that we would uh, like to see them going in. We will be back next week to continue this conversation. Please join us. Uh, the Box Office Podcast is produced by Caitlin Kehoe and recordeditpodcast.com. Thanks to Sean and Daniel for their contributions. This episode was written by Daniel and Sean and narrated by Daniel, Sean, and me, Russ Fisher. Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Bye.